everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. I'm Joe. Well, Joe, we had quite the week in NFL free agency. Both sides of the ball, offense and defense, some really interesting signings. Before we get to the one that's the latest one that's really causing the stir with stir with Dak Prescott, I want to talk about J.J. Watt. This was a really interesting uh, battle for me because I really thought the whole time that the Packers were finally going to go out and get a big-time free agent. I feel like ever since Aaron Rodgers has been there, not only have the Packers not surrounded him with any playmakers, I don't feel like they've really gone out and gotten any big-time defensive guys off the market either. And I really thought that that was a natural fit. J.J. Watt playing in Wisconsin, being from Wisconsin, going to Green Bay. And then he goes and signs with the Cardinals with what I thought was a very surprising choice. But when you look at it, Cardinals do have a lot of young talent. And on the defensive side of the ball, on the opposite end, at defensive end, they have Chandler, which is a big-time defensive end, one of the best in, in, one of the best in the NFL. So when you match J.J. Watt with them, quite a good pass rushing tandem that the Cardinals have now. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good move for the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are a team that can make the playoffs next year. They were very close this year to getting the number seven seed before they lost the tiebreaker to the Chicago Bears. And you look at J.J. Watt on defense, solidifying that unit, and I think also bringing great locker room leadership for a team that doesn't have a whole lot of playoff experience. And he also reunites with his former Texan teammate, DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. And that offense, you know, looks so explosive right now with Kyler Murray. And so I think this is an outstanding pickup for the Arizona Cardinals. But I was surprised as well that he chose the Cardinals. I think the Packers were also in play. Another heavy favorite I kept hearing about was the defending champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I kind of thought there was a decent shot that J.J. Watt might want to go to Tampa to try to get a ring. Hmm, that would have been really interesting because as good as the Buccaneers' defense was, I can't tell you who their defensive end was. They had some good guys inside. I mean, some good defensive tackles like Vita Vega and, uh, of course, and Dominican Sue, but I couldn't tell you who the defensive end is, so that actually probably could have been an opening right there. That would have been a very interesting signing. Um and, yeah, like the Packers were definitely the one that I was considering, but the Bucs would have been a good landing spot also. But I think this does kind of make sense. And you add in the DeAndre Hopkins factor. And with this, with Watt leaving Texans too, it makes you really start to wonder whether there's some actual truth to maybe Deshaun Watson leaving town too. Yeah, I think that it's not far-fetched that a year from now, if not sooner, he'll be on a different team. I would actually be surprised a year from now if he's still with the Texans. I would, too, and he's been talking about it so much. It seems like they're trying to clean house right there out of all liability when it comes to money, including someone like J.J. Watt that's been one of the best defensive players in the NFL for the last eight years, still has a lot of uh, gas in the tank. He's only our age. I think he's only 31. And, you know, not – then they get rid of him. So I'm kind of surprised, too, that he was like, you know, he was released fully without them trying to trade him, too. That was also an interesting move. I would say right now in terms of, uh, you know, what they're, what they're doing with their personnel, 
you got to feel like the Texans are got about the worst front office in the entire NFL. I mean, it doesn't seem like their moves make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, because what's even more troubling if you're a Texans fan is that we all know the much maligned trade of DeAndre Hopkins last year for David Johnson, and that was one of the worst trades, I think, in sports history, not just NFL history. But it's continued even after Bill O'Brien is no longer in-house. He's no longer a part of that front office of the coaching staff. And you still see the front office of the Texans kind of making questionable decisions by not retaining, you know, one of the faces of the franchise in J.J. Watt. So, Joe, next year, Bill O'Brien as, as offensive coordinator at Alabama, does he win more games as offensive coordinator next year than the new head coach of the Texans wins in the next two seasons? I think there's a good chance. I would say the new head coach of the Texans, whose name unfortunately escapes me at the moment, I think they're looking at probably like a 5-11 and 11 season next year, maybe 6-10. and 10. Um, Maybe the year after that, Deshaun Watson, good chance he won't be there. So, yeah, I think that that, that would be a bet that would, would not be a, a bad one to take. I'd take Bill O'Brien on that one because I would say worst-case scenario, he wins 12 games with Alabama. Best case, he wins 14. Uh, at 14, you're looking at they have to win seven games each year. There's no way they're going to do that. And I'm thinking more they like to win four or five the next two seasons with how depleted that roster is. Yeah, I mean, I think with Sean Watson, they might get to six and ten next year. But if he leaves, then it goes to like maybe two and 14. Well, Joe, speaking of a team that was without their quarterback uh, for much of this season, the Cowboys signed Dak Prescott to a huge contract. Uh, and really kind of a surprise move to me. I mean, I'd, I'd heard from like a lot of the ESPN insiders, they, they always knew that he was going to end up getting this deal with the, tech, with, the, with the Cowboys. But to me, it seemed like after last year before the season, he and Jones couldn't agree to the contract. Dak goes out and gets hurt a couple of games in. That I didn't think that Jerry Jones would want to have him on as a long-term solution and pay that kind of money. But there you go. I think Dak's now got one of the richest contracts in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, when you look at that contract and examine it, I was reading a very fascinating article on like NBCSports.com that dissected the intricacies of like the signing bonus is going to be $66 million for 2021. And then you add in a base salary, I think $9 million. And so that basically will equate to a $75 million salary for Dak Prescott without endorsements in 2021. So it's a four-year, $160 million contract. Dallas, as a lot of teams kind of wisely do in this era, they're going to kind of, you know, not take the brunt of the cap hit until like, I think, 2024 or 25. So we'll see, you know, how long he's, you know, he's there, you know, that they want to kind of save themselves some leverage just in case, you know, he gets injured or just doesn't perform as expected. But, you know, this is a big moment for the Cowboys franchise. We've been building, I think, for this moment for a long time. I think everybody's kind of tired about hearing about the discussion about whether or not he was going to re-sign Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. The only thing, though, Dan, I keep going back and forth about is, and we were talking about this before the show, now that the Cowboys have Dak signed long-term, they also have the mega contract for Zeke and Amari Cooper. I mean, there's only so much money to go around with the salary cap in the NFL. And how many times have we seen teams sign a quarterback to a long-term deal 
and then suddenly, like, it doesn't work out long term or the team kind of uh, suffers because they can't sign uh, as many good players around them. Well, Joe, let's just look, look no further than our own team, the Saints, to give you a great example of this. I mean, you know, the, the year they signed Breeze to his first big contract, they had to get rid of uh, – you know, had to get rid of uh, the the great tight end that we had. And then I think they also had to get rid of uh, Darren Sproles. He had to get rid of Jimmy Graham and Darren Sproles because we didn't have enough money to go around and sign them. And the Saints hurt for a couple years after that. And then, of course, when he signed the next contract, we weren't able to retain uh, Brandon Cook and some of the other players that we had. So that kind of becomes issues. And then if you want to look even further, look at what's going on with the Eagles right now. They signed Carson Wentz to this huge deal. Wentz gets hurt every single season during the deal, and the Eagles have been completely bereft of talent at the wide receiver and running back position ever since then because they haven't had the money to get one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. We also see this in Seattle right now with what's going on with Russell Wilson kind of wanting to leave town because the roster, when you look at like the early days of the quarterback with a rookie contractor, you know, if they have kind of a smaller contract that they sign as a free agent before they perform better and maybe want a bigger contract like Breeze, you know, you see the, the front office able to have more money to spend to build around them. Like you think about Russell Wilson's early years in Seattle, I mean, that defense was just loaded, and he was kind of the game manager quarterback from like 2012 to 2015. But then steadily as he gets off his rookie contract, you suddenly start to see the defense kind of depleted. You know, people are have to go elsewhere, like a an Earl Thomas and a uh, Richard Sherman. So suddenly, you know, you see a uh, Russell Wilson that's unhappy, and I think there's a possibility that Dak Prescott in a couple of years could find himself in kind of a similar state. Yeah, because I mean, you want to talk about the Cowboys right now? They spent all that money on Dak, on Zeke, and on Amari Cooper. Who's their next best receiver? Gallup, and that's a it's an okay receiver in the NFL, but not exactly what you're looking for for a number two guy. And they're not going to have the money to go out and get a first-round draft pick and wide receiver. We're really even a big guy on the market right now because of what they're doing with the cap. And I think their defense also could take a hit, too. I think that's one of the underrated you know stories to pay attention to. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Dak Prescott absolutely put up some unbelievable numbers before he got injured last year. At one point, he was on pace for over 6,000 yards, maybe even 6,500. It was unreal. But at the end of the day, you just have to kind of think, you know, we focus on franchise quarterbacks and justifiably so. But when you look at rosters in the NFL, it certainly uh, takes a hit to how much money you can spend. No, and I mean, the Russell Wilson story is going to be a fascinating one to watch because you're right, and that, that's a great example. The first few years when he was with the Seahawks, they didn't have to pay him a lot so they got him in the third round. And then you, you had all these great guys around him, but then later on you pay all that money. Suddenly not all, the, the defense has gone downhill, and at running back, they are so bad at running back right now. I mean, I can't even tell you who the running back is. They have, they have Lynch come in just to do stuff every now and then. Uh, then you had, uh, I mean, I can't think of anybody. Like they're, they're, They have a very low level with that. Lockett's their best wide receiver. He's like the same height I am. They, they don't just, DK well, they, they, they had a DK Metcalf in, but that was like, you know, last year. And that was his own. But also a draft pick, though, so he's going to want a long-term contract soon. 
Right, exactly. You're going to have to pay him, too. And so I'm really interested to see if, if he leaves. And the biggest complaint that I've heard from Russell Wilson is that he doesn't have any time to throw the ball when he's taking all these sacks. And I keep hearing a lot of people, is it a chicken or the egg argument? Is it Does he hold on the ball too long, or is it that his offensive line is really that poor? Well, I mean, that's what happened with the line when they acquired Jimmy Graham a few years ago. They gave up you know, one of the best centers in the league in Max Unger. And that's just kind of one example of them kind of sacrificing the offensive line to you know pay Wilson and pay, like, pay some of these other players in the skill position. And you think about the Saints, you were talking about Breeze. I mean, it was the same narrative there. When he signed as a free agent in 2006, he was making $10 million a year. And then when he gets the big contract in 2012, he goes up to $20 million a year. So I think it's no shocker that the Saints went from making the playoffs four out of his first six years where he's making $10 million to suddenly missing playoffs three out of four years when he's making $20 million. Yeah, and, you know, the biggest thing that, that I will look to with uh, with Russell Wilson is does he instantly make another team possibly a Super Bowl contender if he leaves? Because you mentioned, you and I talked about this earlier, that the Saints have been put on, on as a team that maybe he could go to, and that would be like the best thing ever because that really that would be the perfect quarterback for their system right now. They do have a good offensive line. They just needed a guy that's got a little mobility and has a strong arm. I would love to see it. I really doubt it because I feel like the Saints always disappoint me when it comes to signing people in the free agent market and when it comes to draft time. And really outside of getting Drew Brees, I, I can't think of any time that I've ever been super happy about someone they got as a free agent. I mean, it would just be a perfect fit because Russell Wilson's 32 and he's playing very similar to how Drew Brees played when he was like in his early 30s. And he has that deep ball, and he has that escapability factor, and he's good on his feet. Yeah, I just think he would be tailor-made for what Sean Payton wants to run with his offense. And he's listed the Saints as a team that he would accept a trade to. So I think there's a lot of reasons that it would be just, you know, the best thing that can happen to us as far as Saints fans to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl next season. But, you know, the big question now, Dan, is when is Drew Brees going to make it official about his plans for next year? Um, I'm actually going to make one quick, bold prediction on the show. I haven't told many people this yet, but I want to say it just in case if it ends up being true. I'm going to predict that Drew Brees is going to announce his retirement this Sunday, March the 14th. And the reason for that prediction is because, ironically, that is going to be the 15th anniversary of him signing with the Saints back in 2006. So hmm. that's, that's the prediction. We'll, we'll see if that happens. Well, I hope the prediction is right because it's about time and if he's going to do it, then he needs to go ahead and do it so the Saints can either get somebody on the free or agent market to compete with Jameis Winston or go out and draft a quarterback because the longer he holds that out, if he goes past the draft and the Saints are kind of hamstrung there, and this is the prime time to sign someone as a free agent too. So that would make a lot of sense, and that would be a good service to the Saints if you make that decision this week. I make a decision, I think, before March 17th because that's when the new league year starts. And if he doesn't make the decision by then, then Jameis Winston is going to have other, other suitors. And so that's when it kind of cripples the Saints with other options if Breeze doesn't you know, go and let him know one way or another what he's going to do. Yeah. Well, one thing I did find interesting, uh, going back to Dak Prescott, is that 
they looked at his average that he made the first four seasons that he made with the Cowboys. And this shows you how little you make when you get drafted where he did. He only netted a million dollars each year that he played for the Cowboys before then. So I know he's getting this mega contract, but I guess if you're Dallas, you're also thinking of, man, we saved a lot of money for the four years before that. No, you certainly do. And I think that when you look at Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, it kind of makes maybe more teams want to consider trying to find their franchise quarterback in later rounds so you don't have to pay them as much in those early years. Yeah, they're great examples of that. Uh, And, Joe, speaking of someone that probably got paid way too much in his early years, we talked about him earlier, Carson Wentz. He's now getting traded from the Eagles to the Colts. And, of course, Wentz was a first-round draft pick, got another big deal, and now they're hitching their wagon to Jalen Hurts, who they got in the second round. And what a lot of people were surprised, they jumped up that much to get him. But still, not having to pay him that much, he's going to be their starting quarterback. And if Hurts ends up being a success in the NFL, which he showed some flashes in his first season, then that could be another guy that shows that maybe it's not the right decision to spend all that money to get a quarterback like a Trevor Lawrence and pay for him to be your number one guy. Instead, why don't you wait till the end of the second, maybe third and fourth rounds, and find yourself a diamond in the rock? Yeah, and to that point, the more that I've studied NFL draft boards over the years, I feel like unless you just have that cut, can't miss quarterback prospect, I'm not just looking, you know, to draft a quarterback because I need a quarterback at a top ten pick. Um, instead, I'm looking at maybe drafting an offensive lineman or a pass rusher mm-hmm. as the cornerstone of my franchise and then finding my quarterback later on. Because, I mean, history tells us you can find that Hall of Fame quarterback later on. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I mean, all these guys were Brett Favre. I mean, none of these guys were first-round picks. And so there, there should not be that immense pressure because we can talk about a myriad of examples of guys that have flopped that have been drafted in the first-round quarterback. Yeah, Achilles Smith. You know, you, you want to go uh, or stick with more Oregon ones, uh, Harrington. So all kinds of guys uh, the, the draft in the first round that didn't do that good. And then yet again, you have all these guys that some of which didn't even get drafted. Like who was the great Cardinals quarterback that was sacking groceries for a couple years and then came in and won all this, won a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, uh, Kurt Warner. With Kurt Warner. Did. Yeah, I mean Kurt Warner. I don't even know if he even got drafted. He might have even been a free agent. That's correct, because he started out in the Arena Football League with like the Iowa Barnstormers, I think. Yeah, so I think that there's a lot of merit to be said about that. I'm interested to see what happens with Carson Wentz with the Colts because they did make the playoffs last year um, with uh, Phillip Rivers. So it's not like that. that's a, a team that doesn't have a lot of talent. they got a good running game now with Jonathan Taylor. Receiving talent's a little little less than what you'd want. I mean, really, I, I can barely tell you who the receiver for the Colts is. And if they improve the talent there, maybe that wouldn't be bad because Carson Wentz has been – hadn't had a whole lot in Philadelphia the last couple of years, but he's also been injured. So I'm interested to see if he makes a good go with his second round or if he's going to end up being another guy that we mentioned in that Joey Harrington, Akili Smith, uh, flop, you know, discussions. Um, Sam Darnold looks like another guy that could be going to that direction. Yeah, that's very true, Dan. I think that this is a good situation for Wentz. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of pressure for him to do too much as far as the quarterback position. 
I think he can play that kind of prototypical game manager role because the roster around him is pretty solid. I mean, it's a roster that is talented enough to even make it to an AFC championship game. I mean, they gave the Bills a really good game in that first wild card playoff game, and you know, the Bills ended up making it to the AFC championship game. So if they can just maybe draft a receiver. Uh, they have still have T.Y. Hilton, but Michael Pittman Jr. is a young, talented receiver from Notre Dame. I still think they need one more receiver and maybe a better tight end. And Jonathan Taylor is there. Quentin Nelson, one of the best offensive linemen in the game. This really talented roster. Wentz just doesn't need to, to be mistake-prone. That's right. And he needs to stay healthy for a year. If he can stay healthy, yep. he is a good quarterback. And right. speaking of that, and you know, we, we, we talked about some big contracts that have been signed in the NFL, a lot of free agent movings. Uh, college football has been out for a while, so what's happening? Scandal time. We'll go to our next podcast. We'll be talking about some of the big college football scandals that are ongoing right now. As always, you can catch us every eight every Wednesday at 8 o'clock on Facebook Live, post all of our old shows onto Spotify, you look up Spotify, look up the Dan and Joe Sports Show. All of our old episodes are uploaded on there. You can also catch us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter at DJ Sports Show. And also like our Facebook fan page, Dan and Joe Sports Show fan page. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.